would like this evening to give a very warm welcome to our brother, Mr. Kyle Boyd. He is from Cross Gar Free Presbyterian Church, and we've invited him along to our Harvest Gospel meeting to give that personal word of testimony and to tell of the grace of God in his life. And we pray that as he comes, that the Lord will bless him and will even use him tonight to speak to hearts that are gathered in. Amen. If you'd like to turn with me for a scripture reading, please, first of all, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. It's great to be with you tonight in your harvest service. I heard that you had the moderator this morning, so it's a hard act to follow. Uh, But I pray that the Lord will help us this evening. And I thank your minister and your session, your committee, for uh, giving me the opportunity to Uh, give a word of testimony. Uh, It's never easy, Um, but like the hymn that we just sang, we pray that tonight that we will give the glory to the Lord in all that we say. Let's read from John chapter 11, and we'll break in just to the chapter at verse 18. And it says there in God's word, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Obviously, their brother uh, had just died. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. And just another reading, please, in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And we're just going to read a few verses uh, from the verse 13 of Psalm 139. And it says there, For thou hast possessed my reins, and hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Then uh, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! Tonight we're going to go on a journey, we're going to go to the past, we're going to go to present day, and we're going to go to the future. And you might say to me, well, you know, that's a lot, but this is what the scriptures tell us. It tells us where we come from in the past, it tells us who we are in the present, and it tells us where we're going. And hopefully through my testimony tonight, I'll be able to share that with you. 
I was born on the 15th of March, 1985, and you might say that's a bit of a strange way to start a testimony. Uh, you look at a birthday present, and they'll be gladly received. Uh, the, the money ones are the best ones. The quiet ones are, are good there too. So if you ever feel like you want to send me a birthday card on the 15th of March, I will gladly receive. But I, the reason I tell you this is because I was born too soon. I should have been born on some time in May, but I was born on this date, 10 weeks prematurely. And with that, led a lot of challenges. Obviously, all my faculties were there, and I was all made, and I had all my limbs and all my faculties and my eyes and my hair and my legs and my arms, all my, my limbs as it were, but everything just wasn't fully developed. And it meant then that I had really struggled to live. Uh, one of my lungs failed. Um, they had to find a, an incubator in the hospital to put me in because this was 1985 and there just wasn't one readily available. And they told my parents, they said, your son, he may not live. Because uh, premature baby girls, they will fight for life. Whereas premature baby boys, sometimes a little bit more lazy. And really my, hung, my life hung in the balance, as it were. And the Lord's people were praying for me at that time. And eventually I got strong enough and well enough to, 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 to come home and, and to live. Obviously, around that time, uh, uh, my parents were still quite young, and that was very difficult for them. My dad was only 27, my mum was, I think, 24. They were very young, and they had to contend with this, and they also had my sister as well. Uh, around this time, um, or a few months later, about 10 months, my mum realized that there was something wrong. I wasn't developing the same way that I would have done a, a, a baby would have, should have been developing. And uh, she went to the hospital and asked questions. And they said, okay, we're going to do some tests. And because of my birth and the trouble there, they knew that that didn't really make a difference to us. They just wanted to know kind of how we could get help. So they did some tests. And then they said, okay, come back in two weeks. And we'll hopefully be able to have a diagnosis for your, for, for your son. And it must be said that during that time, whenever I was born and... and Whenever I was going through those times of difficulty, um, my father prayed to the Lord that, uh, that I would live because he didn't know if I would live or not. And he really wanted his son, his son to live. And he asked the Lord to, to take away one of his limbs from him, that he would live so that I would live. He prayed to God and said, Lord, you can take something away from me. But I ask you that my son will, will live. And that is amazing to me that someone would even pray that. And my father was, is still in the police service. And he was in the police service in the difficult days when, when men were just being killed because of their job, trying to protect other people. And it would have been very easy for the Lord just to send a rocket his way and to take his limb of him, or his arm, or his two arms, or his two legs, or his life. Very easy to do that. But the Lord didn't. The Lord had another plan. Because uh, before we were due to get the diagnosis, 
Uh, my grandmother was on the bus to work, and she used to do her dailies on the bus to work. She was mighty. She never missed an opportunity to speak of the gospel. You could guarantee if a carpet fitter came to her house in two minutes, she would know whether they were saved or not, and she'd be witness to them to make sure that they would know that they would need to be saved. And before they left the house, they would have the scriptures with them and a few verses to ponder. She was, she was mighty. And she, did her, she read her Bible on the bus to work, and she was doing her dailies or her readings, and this was her reading. And this was on the Thursday, and my parents were due to get their, their results on the Friday. And this is what it said. It said, a meeting was held quite far from earth. It's time again for another birth. Said the angels to the Lord above, this special child will need much love. He may not run or laugh or play. His thoughts may seem quite far away. And in many ways he won't adapt, and he'll be known as handicapped. So let's be careful where he's sent. We want his life to be content. Please, Lord, find the parents who will do a special job for you. They will not realize right away the leading role they're asked to play. But with this child sent from above comes stronger faith and richer love. And soon they'll know the privilege given in caring for their gift, gift from heaven. Their precious charge, so meek and mild, is heaven's very special child. And you'll notice in that verse in, in the middle of the, this little poem it says, And he'll be known as handicapped. And my grandmother got off the bus early, went to our house, and she said to my mum and dad, your son's going to be disabled. And my mum and dad said, how do you know? And she says, because the Lord has told it to me. And she's revealed it to me. The Lord has revealed it to me. And my mum and dad went into that meeting, knowing the news, and they told my mum and dad on the Friday that your son had suffered a stroke in the womb and he would have cerebral palsy. And that's what the Lord gave me. And, but he answered my dad's prayer. I lived. But my dad never asked him to give, that I would have this condition. But the Lord is a sovereign God, and he knows best. God always knows best. And you might say to me, but how do you, how do you believe that? But I leave the mighty God of heaven. If God can create the world in six days, who am I to say what way he's going to create me? Who am I to say? Because it is the Lord. And it's his doing. And they told him that news. And actually, they told my parents on the same day that my sister also had cerebral palsy. Uh, she's slightly different. Her arm is affected. Imagine that news. What would you do? But my parents were sent with the Lord. Your parents, you should honor them. That's what the commandment tells us. And my parents were special. They were given a particular task. And I can just see in their personalities and their natures, God chose them for a particular purpose. Cherish your parents. They're special. Eventually, uh, they told my parents that I would need some medical help. Uh, I had to go to uh, the Ulster Hospital and have major surgery when I was three. Or, sorry, when I was two, when I was three, had when I was eight years old. Um, and it was very difficult, obviously, because, uh, you know, major surgery when you're that young is difficult. Probably more so for my parents rather than me. Uh, I used to just wake up every day and every time I had surgery and ask Dad what new tractor he was going to buy me or what he had bought me that time. And I have a great selection of Britain's tractors hoping that it's going to be worth a little bit of money one of these days, but that's all I was interested in. And I just went every day and had physio, and you got off school and you thought it was great. But the Lord's hand was upon us in those times, even through the physio and the surgery and the doctor's appointments. And the Lord's hand was upon us, because it says in Second Samuel 22 and 33, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. Obviously, my parents were special, and they wouldn't uh, make a difference with me. 
And it has been said that if you went to our church when I was young, if I'd have been walking into the aisle and I'd have fallen over, that my dad just used to leave me there. Uh, and people used to think this was awful. Uh, you should be helping your son. And my dad's answer was, well, what's he going to do if I'm not here? And I would fall over quite a bit, and dad would just leave me there, and I would have to figure out to stand up again and go into the pew. And my parents made no difference to me. I was sent along to all the children's meetings that were sent along if it was on a bus. It didn't matter that I couldn't get on the bus. We would figure it out. Uh, to the point, though, that there was a man that goes to Ballygown free still, and he forgot about me one day, and he left me on the bus. So that wasn't too, too good. But anyway, uh, I used to go to all these children's meetings, and I used to love them. And that's when I learned about God. And I learned about God and that there was a God who loved you and who sent his son to die for you. And I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed to be saved. You see, I got this little book about a boy called Johnny for a Sunday school prize. And the book said about Johnny, he was a good boy and he did good things and he went to church. But one of these Sundays, Johnny said, uh, his, his mom and dad said, we're going to Mr. Martin's house after church, Johnny. And, and, and Johnny said, well, can I go in Mr. Martin's car? And his, his mom said, yes, Johnny, of course. And after the meeting, uh, Johnny went out to the car park and everybody was, everybody was gone. And Johnny was lost. And one of my biggest fears when I was growing up was that I would be lost. And I realized that as a sinner, that I was lost. I was lost. And that I was lost forever. If I died in my sin, that my parents and my sister, they would go to heaven. They would go to glory. But I would go to hell. I realized that. And how that hell is a terrible place where God is not there. So it automatically is terrible, but it's full of darkness and torment and mental anguish and pain. And that used to frighten me. And I realized that if I didn't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that that I would be lost and that I wouldn't be saved. You see, we read tonight in John 11, the Master has come and calleth for thee. You see, the Master, the Lord Jesus, he was calling me. At that age, he was calling me. And, you know, the Lord Jesus, in that verse, he said, Believest thou this? When he was talking to, uh, to Mary and Martha, he said, Believest thou this? Do you believe in the gospel? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that if you die, if, that he died on the cross for you. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, then you need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to be saved. The master has come and he call, is calling for you. You see, friend, if you die in your sin, you are lost forever. How do I know that? It's not what I'm saying. It's what the scripture tells us. Because in Luke 16 and 26, it says, And beside all this, between us there is a great gulf fixed. In other words, if you die in your sin, you go to a place called hell of eternal torment and punishment. And you see, God is a God of love, and he doesn't want you to go there. And at the age of four years old, I realized that. I realized that God does not want me to go there. That is not what his purpose is. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be a Christian. He wants you to live for him. Why? How? Because God loved us and he sent his son for us because God is a loving God. Because it says in Romans 5 and 8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, on the cross, 
The Lord Jesus, he was made sin for us. He took that punishment. You see, God cannot have sin. He cannot abide sin. Sin can never be in heaven. It can never be in the presence of God. And sin needs to be punished. That is the ultimate fact. Sin needs to be punished. And we don't deserve that. But yet God in his love sent his son. Because it says in Isaiah 1, it says, Come then, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. Though they be as red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, if you ask the Lord Jesus into your life, he takes away all that sin. And you're ready for heaven. Why would you not want to go there? Heaven is a wonderful place. Yes, we talk about heaven and all its splendor. Streets of gold, no darkness there, no sickness there, but it is where God is. And that's where I want to be. Because you see, your life, friend, is just but a vapor. It's just a little while. You might say, oh, but, you know, we can live to 70, 80, 90, 100 years, but that is just a short time in eternity with God. Friend, if you are lost in your sin, then you will go to a Christless eternity. But you see, when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin upon him. And he was resurrected on the third day. And he defeated death and sin because, friend, Jesus had the victory. He had the victory. He defeated death and sin, and he gave his life for us. Imagine that. Who are we that God would do such a thing for us that he would send his son? But it was because he loved us so much. And, friend, God loves you. He wants you to be saved. You might be living your life and you might think you have a good life and maybe you do. But friend, whenever you live your life for God, you have an assurance. You have a real hope because you know where you're going. You see, there's so many people in this world and they're so afraid. There's so much anxiety in the world. What's going to happen next? What's going to, all these wars, all these famines, everybody's running about all panicking. Do you know why? Because they're not trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord tells us all these things in the scriptures. If you read your scriptures, he tells us all about what the world is and what it will become and how that you need to be ready. Because friend, whenever you go to heaven, it's going to be mighty. We're just going to be singing for the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb. Imagine that. Imagine what that's going to be like. In fact, when you read the scriptures, we actually don't really know a lot about heaven. We know some, but we really don't understand the full splendor that it will be. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Lord met with the prophets, he shone, and his, 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 his garments shone. And that gives us a little glimpse of what heaven will be like. And friend, I want to be there, but I want you to be there too. You see, maybe you are not saved or maybe you're a backslider and maybe you once lived for God at one time and then you went down a bypath meadow but friend the Lord can still forgive you of those things he wants to redeem you still the Lord says himself the master has come and calleth thee even though you're backslidden the Lord wants to restore unto you the years that the locusts has has, locusts have taken the Lord wants that And he wants you to do it. He wants you to trust in him today. Because we read in John 11, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. She didn't wait. 
She didn't wait to meet the Lord. She, she went straight away once she knew that the Master was coming. And you're here tonight for a reason. God is sovereign. He knows all things. You're not here just because somebody invited you or because it's just harvest or just because you wanted to hear what I had to say. God is you here for a reason. If you're not saved, he wants you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, friend, once you trust in Jesus, or maybe you're a backslider, and once you're restored, the Lord, he will come into your life and restore that life and take all that uh, worry away. He will, he, will, he will save you and he will keep you in his hand. And that's the mighty thing. Once the Lord saves, you can never be lost. John 10 and 29, My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You see, friend, you have to come to the Master today. And that's what I did when I was four. And you might teach Sunday school and you might go, well, that's a bit young. Four years old. I knew exactly what I was doing when I asked the Lord Jesus into my life. And it's the best decision I've ever made. It doesn't mean that life's easy when you're a believer, when you're a Christian, certainly not. But he get, makes your life worth living. You have a friend that's closer than a brother. You can pray to him through anything. Pray without ceasing. You can read your scriptures. He can reveal things unto you. He can guide you. All these things the Lord can give to you. And at, at the age of four, I realized that. And you know, it wasn't anything sp special. Nothing majorly happened, really. It just, I just knew that I was different. The Lord had come in because I was a new creature. I was, my sins were forgiven. And I was saved. Are you saved tonight, friend? Can you confidently say that? I pray that you will be saved tonight. After I got saved, my life didn't really change overly much. I just went to the same Sunday school and children's meeting and went to school. And being a Christian when you're uh, in primary school is relatively easy. Uh, are you a Christian? Yeah. Do you want to play chases? Okay. That's, that's about the, as deep as the theological uh, questions get. But whenever you get to high school, it gets a wee bit more difficult. And because I walk like a human version of C-3PO, which is the character from Star Wars, and you might go, I don't know if I can laugh at that, but it's okay, I made that joke. That's the way I walk, okay? Whenever I see a video, I'm like, really? That's how I walk? Obviously, when you walk into school and you look like that, people are like, this guy's a bit different. And it was harder to fit in because I couldn't just do the same things that regular boys would do. I couldn't play football. You know, I couldn't run. I couldn't play for my beloved Manchester United, although after the last couple of seasons maybe I could, because um, they haven't been great. Um, but around this time when I was 15, I began to really question, uh, or I didn't question God, but I just lost my zeal for the Lord. Because I said, you know, I just couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. And they were just silly things, like running or like playing football. But yet I never blamed God because God is sovereign. And that's why we read Psalm 139, verse 14. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, the Lord, when he makes you, he knows all about you. And if you read that chapter, we didn't have time tonight, but if you read that chapter, it's all about you and who you are and how that the Lord knew you before you were even created. And the Lord had a purpose in my life because he wanted me to have this condition so that my strength would be made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may uh, rest upon me. 
that I may glory in my infirmities. And you might say that's difficult that you can glory in the condition you have. But like I said previously, who am I to question the Lord? He has given me this condition, so I have to use it as best that I can. And the Lord really blessed me through school, and he helped me to uh, really understand what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I knew that I was never going to be a bricklayer or a joiner or a spark or work on a building site because that would be a nightmare. Um, so I was going to have to use my brains, and I didn't have that much, so I really, really had to work. Um, and the Lord guided me uh, towards studying at college, and he gave me that verse in Psalm 32 and 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. These promises in the scripture, you know, we just say them as Christians sometimes, but we don't really believe them. But the Lord, he guided me and he taught me in the way that I was going. I decided that I was going to go to college in Lisburn and I signed all the paperwork off and I was going to get the results and everything was fine and sent it all away and hadn't heard anything back from them. July, August, end of August, still hadn't heard anything back. And my dad said, are you a little bit worried about it? And I said, with that, I've sent everything off. But nothing's came back. And he said, sure, let's just walk. Let's just go to, to Lisburn and, and, and see what's going on. We went to the college there, and I just got a very bad feeling as soon as I walked in. The lady was very nice, but it just, it just felt there was something not right. And we left that, that meeting, and, and Dad says, what's wrong? And I said, look, Dad, there's something not right. It, it doesn't feel right. And he said, well, can you do the course anywhere else? And I said, well, yeah, you can do the same course in Downpatrick. But uh, the reason why I hadn't applied there was because my father was a policeman in Downpatrick. And if you know Downpatrick, if you're the son of a policeman, that can maybe not go well for you. Um, and I was sort of a little bit afraid about that. But Dad said, let's go down and let's meet them. So we went to the college. We went in. It was a Friday afternoon. I met a nice man. He said, what course would you like to do? I told him. He said, have you got the grades? I said, yes. He said, we'll start on Monday. And that was it. On Monday morning, there I was in Downpatrick thinking, what's going on here? Uh, after a couple of days, I met a friend, and one of the things that I hadn't done when I was a Christian at school was I hadn't really told people that I was a Christian. I hadn't just, like, said it. I lived like a Christian, but I just, just couldn't say it. And that was, that was my mistake. I, shouldn't, I should have put my stall out and said, I'm a believer. Uh, when I went to college, I didn't make that mistake. I met a guy a couple of days in, and I said, uh, um, he said, what do, you, what do you do at the weekend? And I said, oh, uh, I go to church on a Sunday. I'm a Christian. And he said, oh, I'm a Christian as well. And we, we became friends. And that really helped me then through college. And for any young people here, when you start school, start college, try and set your stall out. Just try and say that you're a Christian. Because there is other Christians there. Uh, I teach uh, in the art college in Belfast. And every year, there's a Christian in my class. Would you believe that? I can find them. And you know the light because you, you can sense them, and you can have conversations. I can't just outwardly say, are you a believer? But you can just sense it, and then you have a conversation, and they're always there. The Lord's people are always amongst us, and they help each other. After I finished college, I went to university. And, but before that time, I started to learn to drive, and if anybody knows me, they'll know I'm a bit of a car uh, fan. Always loved the cars. And uh, whenever they told me that I would uh, learn to drive, they'd say, Kyle, you're going to have to learn to drive, but you're going to have to do an extra test before you actually do your normal driving test. And I was like, this will be fine, because I'm basically the Michael Schumacher of drivers. Uh, it'll be fine, Dad. It'll all go well. 
Uh, once we finished uh, the test, the man came out and he said, Kyle, great news. You're going to be able to drive a car, but you're going to have to drive an automatic. If anybody doesn't know an automatic, it's just a car that changes gears itself. And like every car now has an automatic. But when I was 16, I was able to learn when I was 16, there was ultimate devastation. I remember crying on the way home in the car, and Dad says, like, why are you so upset? You know, you're going to be able to drive, Kyle. It's going to be good. I don't want to have to drive an automatic. Why not? My answer was, because Subaru, were the World Rally Champions at the time, they didn't make their Impreza in an automatic. And I just thought, well, I'm never going to be able to drive a Subaru. Uh, that's the mind of a 16-year-old boy. Of course, I was able to pass my test. I got my first car, a black Corsa, 15-inch wheels, all the extras, uh, white speed thing, all the, all the extras. Thought it was great. Going about Newcastle, Port Rush, all the youth rallies. Loved it. But what happened when I was 17, 18 was the car just began to just get away from me a little bit. It was all about the car and not about the Lord. And then it says in Exodus 20 and 3, do not have any other gods before me. And one night I crashed the car, completely and totally, with five young boys in the car. Not one of us was hurt. Rolled it down a bank, wrecked it completely. And the next day I was thinking about it and we went to see the car and I was looking about it. And just in my head, this came into my head. The Lord was saying, do not have any other gods before me. I am first. And he took it away from me. And he just learned me a valuable lesson. Whenever I was 18, then I decided to go and study at university. And I decided to study in Jordanstown. And again, the first couple of days, I decided to try and meet somebody or tell people that I was a Christian. And I met this young man, and his name was Raymond. And the first thing he said to me was, I'm going to knock you out. And I thought, this is not going to go well. Um, and I said, whereabouts are you from? And he said, I'm from the Rathkill estate. And I thought, this guy's going to try and nick my wheelchair. Honestly, it's going to, my wheelchair is going to be in breeze blocks and he's going to have it nicked. And I thought, I'm going to try and stay away from him. But a couple of days later, we were working in the labs and uh, I was a couple of rows behind him and I could see what he was doing on the screen. And, and every so often, Belfast City Mission would come up I thought that was a bit strange. So I, I went to talk to him and I said, what are you working on? And he says, I'm just working on a little presentation because I actually helped at a little city mission in the Rathkill because I became a Christian when I was 16, two years ago. And I was just blown away because I looked at Raymond and I looked at his outward appearance, but I couldn't look in his heart. And Raymond had just got saved and he uh, was from Rathkill and his story is amazing even in itself. But we became friends, and we still work together uh, at the university. And it was good to have a Christian friend there. And I met some other Christian friends, and you were able to have a group there just to help one another. And obviously, during your studies, it was difficult, but the Lord gave us the help. It says in Isaiah 40 and 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Listen to that. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I can't really run and I can't walk, but in the Lord I can do all things. He can give me the strength. The Lord helped me to, to complete my studies. Uh, then I went to do a, a master's. Um, and then after that I thought, sure, why not? Done that. So far I'll, I'll try a PhD. And I, I decided to go and do some more study. Now I am, did not set out to do this at all. In fact, if somebody had said, you're going to do this, I laughed at them. And I actually did laugh at them when somebody suggested that during my degree. But the Lord helped us through that too. And even that was amazing. Whenever I decided that I was going to do it, 
I said to the Lord, I just want the, you to, I want to know that it's of you, Lord. I want you to open this door for me. Sent all the paperwork off, sent it off, did the interview, and got word back a week later, you, you didn't get in. Uh, the, way it was, the way it was scored, uh, the top three get in and you were fourth. And I thought, I wasn't really disappointed at that at all. I just thought, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. He closed that door for me and that's okay. And I just said, Lord, that's fine. Uh, you open the next door when, you, when it's right. The next day, I was working in the university at the time, and the next week I was away getting a coffee, as you do in university. You drink a lot of coffee, you talk to a lot of people, uh, a lot of smart people. I'm not one of them. Um, and I was away getting a coffee, away from my desk, and my manager came looking for me, and he said, where were you? And I was like, so are you getting a coffee? Sorry. And he said, I've got good news for you. Uh, the person that was supposed to do the PhD, uh, they, they've dropped out, so you've been lifted up, so you'll start that uh, next week. Uh, a couple of days on, but that was actually on the Friday. He told me that, and I would start the PhD on the Monday. Everything just happened. Just always, the Lord just stepped in just at the time, and he, he changed it. And the Lord has allowed me to do that. It was difficult. It was the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, but it allowed me to get the job that I have today. Because the Lord knew that I wasn't going to be able to do physical labor, do difficult things, um, because I can't. But he knew that I could have... Uh, a, a job in the university and help students and all of that and I thank the Lord for that because it's been, it's been so good to me in providing that for me and allows me to provide for my family obviously uh, whenever I was studying but before I actually started my, my PhD obviously 22, 23 thinking about you know uh, ever going to get married and obviously with my condition there's a lot of baggage you know what I, I look okay today and that's okay, and I probably walk okay today, but tomorrow might be different. It might be a harder day. It might be a more difficult day. It might be a tired day. It might be a day just mentally exhausted or physically tired or in pain. And obviously, getting married, you'd have to find the right person. So I, I asked the Lord to help me in that too, because I knew that the Lord would help me in this. So I prayed to the Lord, and um, after a while I met a young woman. Her name was Emma, and she was from Palomina. And uh, we went for coffee, as you do, because that's what young people do nowadays. And we chatted a bit, and we chatted a bit more. And then uh, we chatted a bit more. And I thought, well, that's, this, this is good, and she's a nice girl, and she's a Christian, and, and she had the same understanding as I had. And, and I thought, this was good. But I, I asked the Lord just to help me that. And just uh, the week that we really had met properly, um, I was doing my readings. And these were the readings from the Lord. It said on the Monday, uh, the beginning of something special. Uh, on the Tuesday, it was seeing things straight. On a Wednesday, it was a time for everything. Uh, on the Thursday, it was someone worth talking about. On the Friday, it was doing things right. On the Saturday, it was marrying the wife and raising the children. And on the Sunday, it was the God of providence and the providence of God. And I said to myself, I'm going to marry that girl. But I didn't tell her. Because she would have ran away <laughs> really fast. And I, I, but I knew that the Lord, he was guiding me into that, that relationship. And that's what we should do as Christians, young men and women. You know, if you're looking for a husband or a wife, take it to the Lord. He will guide you and direct you. And the Lord did that for us. We were married in 2015. And the Lord has blessed us with two sons. Uh, my first son is called Ezra. He's here tonight. He needs his hair cut, but that's another matter. Uh, his name is, is Ezra. 
And his name means helper because he's going to be a helper to me. And then just last year, or, uh, or this year, sorry, uh, Austin was born. And Austin's middle name is Micah. Now, not the Micah of the prophet, but there's a story of David and Jonathan. You know David, King David and Jonathan? Um, and Jonathan had a son called Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth was dropped when he was born, and he was Liam. He was me. But there's one verse in the scriptures that talks about and Mephibosheth had a son, and his name was Micah. And I thought, that's a good name for my son. And the Lord has given us two sons, because those boys are going to help me. Because days might not be good days in the future, but they're going to be strong boys. And they're going to help me, and they're going to lift me, and they're going to carry me, and they're going to get my shoes, and they're going to help me to get my socks on, because when you have cerebral palsy, getting your socks and shoes on is the life's great equalizer, because it's difficult. But they're going to help me to do that. But you see, the Lord works all these things out. But friends, I've spoken enough. I just pray that tonight that what the Lord has revealed unto my heart, that you will understand it and you will cherish it. All of these things that I did in my life, I couldn't have done it without the Lord. I would be lost. I would be lost without the Lord's help. He provided me in every way. He continues to do daily. And I just thank him so much. But the ultimate thing is, I have cerebral palsy, and that's me. But my friend, if you're not saved, you have sin. And sin is far worse than cerebral palsy. Because you see, whenever I die, whenever the Lord returns, my body will be renewed with the Lord, and it will be glorified, and I will have a perfect body. But friend, if you're lost in your sin, you're lost in hell. And nobody wants to talk about that these days, because it's not right, it's too scary. Or we, we want to talk about how great we are, but that's, that's the reality. Because it says in John 3 and 36, He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life, but he that believeth not in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friend, tonight I pray, pray that the wrath of God will not abide on you, that you will trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You will have redemption, and you will have a life fit for God. Amen. We are very grateful to Kyle tonight for coming along and giving that faithful word of testimony. And we praise the Lord tonight for the grace of God in Kyle's life and the way the Lord has undertaken for him and the way that he has proved the Lord and the sufficiency of God's grace. We're just going to unite our hearts together in a closing word of prayer and let us bow before the Lord. And as our heads are bowed tonight, And we're coming to the close of this meeting. Can I just challenge you tonight in the gospel in relation to your soul and how you stand before Almighty God. The Lord knows your heart tonight. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. And he knows the very need of your heart spiritually tonight. Knows whether you're saved. Knows whether you're ready for heaven. Though tonight, if you're outside of Christ, you're unprepared for eternity, we say to you, seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call ye upon him while he is near. Maybe there's one tonight, and at a time you were bright for the Lord, but 
You have wandered away. You have lost that zeal and that love for the Lord. But oh, that tonight the Lord would restore you unto himself and would restore unto you the joy of God's salvation. May the Lord bless the testimony tonight to his honor and to his glory. Our brother will not be going to the door immediately after the service, uh, but he will be here and he will be available. Uh, if you would like to speak with him, uh, do take time, please, to do that. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do praise and thank thee this evening for all that has taken place. And we thank thee, O God, for that faithful word of testimony and for the way that thou hast met our brother's spiritual need, for the way that thou hast saved his soul and even used him to thine honor and glory, we return thee thanks tonight. We praise thee, our Father, for undertaking for him uh, with all of his need, even physically. And we praise thee, our Father, for the way that he has proved thee that thou art faithful, O God, that thou wilt never leave, thou wilt never forsake thy children, but that thy strength is made perfect in weakness. Continue to bless our brother, do give him help in his uh, daily needs. We pray that thou wouldst be with him and with his wife Emma and his little family. Put a hedge of the precious blood about them, and O Lord, keep them as the apple of the eye and use them each day to the glory and to the praise of our Lord and Saviour. As we separate tonight, we pray for thy hand to be upon each and every one. And grant our Father, as we would leave, may we know thine abiding presence. May we know tonight that it is well with our soul. Hear us, O God, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, rest, remain, and abide with each one, both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.